This is The Converse, an apostolic tabernacle podcast all about sharing the truth of God's Word. In this podcast, you will hear sermons, panel discussions, and much more. If you would like more information about this ministry or would like to plan your visit, go to atwilmington.com. For now, enjoy your time on The Converse. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give. Everybody say, I give. That's a really important thing to know right there. He said, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send one, send a man, every one a ruler among them. Verse 17, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain. See the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad. And what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. We're going to jump down to 27. And read through verse 30 and we'll begin. And they told him and said, they, they went on their journey, they spied out the land. And to give you the Cliff Notes version, they saw a lot of people, they saw a lot of houses, they saw a lot of things. And they saw great uh, clusters of grapes so big that it required two people to carry him back. And they told him, speaking of the spies, and said, We come into the land whither thou sentest, and surely... It floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Ah, oh, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. I imagine they might have saw Jericho. Who knows? Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, the, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Debusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and, be, and by the coast of Jordan. Caleb stilled the people for Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. This is Vision Sunday, and the sermon I want to preach today, I pray that it's a sermon you'll never forget, because Lord knows I will not forget all the nerves that I felt before it. I just want to talk about the report. The report. Amen. We're praying, church. We believe in the power of prayer. And if you're a guest, we want you to pray with us if you feel comfortable. And what we're going to pray is this is two prayers in one. Uh, A vision is only as good as it is cast. But it's only as good as well if it's received. So first I would pray that God opens our heart to receive it. But boy, I sure would appreciate your prayers that God would help me cast it. Can you pray with me, AT family, Lord? Oh, Jesus.
God, open our hearts to receive your word today. God, I pray, Lord, that every heart will be prepared, that we till up that fallow ground, God, getting ready for your spirit to come and move upon us. God, and I pray right now, and I give myself completely, wholly over to your will and to your way. God, let it be you that speaks and not me. Oh, Lord, I just want to be a vessel, so I empty myself of anything. Oh, God, that is not pleasing to you, and I pray, God, that what comes out of me be of you. Oh, Lord, and we're going to be careful to praise you and to glorify you for it all. Everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're seated. I'm thankful that you're here today. Thankful that you're here today. The purpose, the purpose, or the report, the report. The, uh, you know, sometimes we can find ourselves in situations where we feel like it is unique to us. We look at the times that we're living in and we feel like they are unique to our generation. We see the escalation of time, how that just 10, 15 years ago, it is nothing compared to what it is today. We know it does not take a college degree. It does not take a doctorate in theology. It, you don't have to know what the first book of the Bible is to look at the world and know that it's getting worse. And if we're not careful, we can make the grave misjudgment that it is unique to us that this escalation happened. But what we find is that all throughout history, whether it be in recorded in the Bible as a historical account or other historians throughout time, they record the same process as taking place. Escalation to the point of destruction. Then we find ourselves in our unique position as a church body today, as a church family, that we sit here on a vision Sunday, November the 7th, 2021, and we look at the last two years. It's hard to believe it's been two years. COVID began and put us all in shambles. It sent us running, scrambling, trying to figure out how we could have service. That's why we have these lights now. Because we had to find a way to make our services to have a better connection whenever we're streaming online. So we scrambled trying to make this happen. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves feeling like we're in a unique position even now. And surely there are things that, that we're dealing with, that we're facing, that are completely unique to us. But the idea, the concept of standing on the precipice of what God wants to do in our lives is not unique to who we are. We will find apostolic churches throughout the centuries that have stood in this very moment. I talked to our builder the other day, and as I talked to him, there's a church in Cabot, Arkansas, that just finished completion. Let me tell you, our position is not unique to us. People all across the world, throughout the halls of history, have came to a place where God says it's time to go. And if we look in biblical accounts, there could be no account more glaring than the one I read to you today. Numbers chapter 13, we find that Moses, directed by God, tells him to send out 12 spies to go into the promised land. This promised land was given, this promise was given unto Moses saying, bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and I'll take them to a land of promise. 
You go back even further and you'll find that Abraham was promised a land and he was promised a children that they would be so great in number that the stars in the sky would never match them. So the promise for generations to do something better, to have something better, to do something greater rested in that moment. They walk through the wilderness. They try and they, they, they trudge and they make it to this point without, not, not without failure, not without problems, not without issues, but they make it to this point. They stand on the precipice of promise and 12 men are selected, one from each tribe, to go in and look at what lays ahead of them. And we find those men go out and they look and Moses gives them a directive. He says, I want you to look at the land. I want you to look at whether the land be good or bad. Whether the land have mountains or valleys. Whether it be rock and stone or whether it be sand. I want you to look at the land and see if it be lean or whether it be fat. Meaning that whether it can give fruit or whether it's going to be harsh conditions for their agricultural climate. He tells them to look at the people. I want you to look at the people and see are they few or many? Are they strong or are they weak? He's asking them to look at their size, to look at the number of men. He's asking them to look at their armies. He's asking them to look at what they would be up against if they went in to go and conquer. He said, I want you to look at the cities. I want you to tell me, are they great big walled cities or are they living in tents by their crops and by their threshing floors? He walks them out and they go in and they look and they see all of these things. And he also, he says, I want you to look at the fruit. Tell me what it bears. Tell me what they possess that we would like. Tell me what they possess that could be ours. Because God promised us that we're going to live in houses we didn't build. And God promised us we're going to take crops that we never planted. God promised us a great blessing. Tell me of the blessing that lies beyond this moment. They go and they look at the land. And they say, my goodness, the land is beautiful. My goodness, the land is perfect. My goodness, the land is fat. It can give us what we need. They go and they look at the people and they say, my goodness, they're strong. My goodness, they're great. And my goodness, they're many. They go and they look at the cities and they see it's not just tents. They're not just dealing with farmers with pitchforks. No, they're dealing with people that, that, that have built great walls like Jericho. And they're dealing with people that have made great strongholds. Oh, but they bring back the fruit. They bring back the harvest. They bring back what they could possess. The report comes back. And all of a sudden, the people began to get upset. The people began to get mad. The people began to get weary. And the Bible says that, jo or that Caleb stilled the people. And he looked at them. He said, yeah. The land's pretty incredible. Yeah, there is rocks. Yeah, there's, there's, there's seaside. Man, the land is fat. We can plant all of these things and they're going to be able to grow and we're going to be able to reap a harvest. Yes, we look at the people. They are great. One of the people looked at him and said, we're just like grasshoppers. You know, God didn't ask him what they thought of themselves. God asked him what they thought of the people they were coming up against. Sometimes we look at ourselves like we're not enough. 
<laughs> and God doesn't want to know how you feel about yourself because God wants you to know how he feels about you. <laughs> and they look in this moment and Caleb said, everything that those other men said is true. They are great. They are strong. There are strongholds. But we can take it. But this can be ours. But this was promised. But God said that this would be ours one day. Oh, if we could have Caleb's spirits to be put in our hearts today that say, you know what, this is a promise of God. And you know what, sometimes the promises of God are great blessings. Where they're, they're clusters of grapes that are so big that two people will have to carry them. But sometimes the promises of God mean that you put your war clothes on. And there are strongholds that you're going to have to fight when you get to the promised land. The promise doesn't mean it won't be easy. The promise doesn't mean you won't come out with scars. The promise doesn't mean that some may go down in the fight, but what the promise means is no matter what happens when God says it, it will come to pass. Caleb stilled the people in his excitement. He didn't say, let us make a plan. He didn't say put your greatest thinkers together. Put the men of military prowess together. Get our war clothes on. He didn't say take a week and prepare. He didn't say call a fast. He didn't say we're going to wait a little bit and see how we feel tomorrow. He didn't say we'll wait until next year. He looked at the people and he said be quiet, be still. God has promised it to us and let us go right now. Now, because when God says it, timing is important. When God says it, it's not that I say no, but I say yes. When God says it. We're grasshoppers, Caleb. We'll never be able to do it. Oh, the devil creeps in. <laughs> oh, Oh, the devil comes in and he causes doubt. Let me talk to our situation. Bishop told me this morning, you're the man of God. Get up there and be confident in it. So doggone it, I'm going to be confident in it. The devil comes into your mind and he says, oh, he's just a young pastor. He don't know. Oh, but let me tell you, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And we got a lot of good elders in this church. <laughs> oh, the devil creeps in. Oh, the devil comes in and says, you know what? You are small. Oh, my God, I am small. Oh, look at, look at Jericho in that wall. So thick. Oh, it was like 12 feet thick on the outside. There was rubble from floor to ceiling in the center. And then on the next wall, it was six feet thick. There's no way we can get through that. The devil comes in and starts causing doubt. And then the people lift up their voice. They begin to cry. They begin to wail. They begin to be upset. We walked through the wilderness for this. We left Egypt for this. At least in Egypt, we knew what we were getting. At least in Egypt, I knew that every morning I was going to be whipped by a taskmaster, but I could lay my head down at night. I knew where I was sleeping in Egypt. I knew where my food come from. I knew that I didn't have to worry about doing what God wanted me to do because I did everything that the Egyptians wanted me to do. 
let's go back there. Let's leave here. And let me tell you how far the plan got. They said, let us make us a captain. And let us go back. Moses falls down on his face. Aaron falls down on his face. Joshua and Caleb, they rent their clothes. They they were so upset. They were grieved with what the people were saying. Joshua comes up to him in chapter 14. and, 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 And Caleb comes up to him and he said, They spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search, it is an exceeding good land. And if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. Let me tell you what happens. They keep on complaining. God said, how, in the, how long do I have to listen to their murmuring? Moses, being a great man of God, stands in the way. Don't, don't, don't just kill us all just yet. He said, okay, I'll make you march through the wilderness for 40 years until the generation that said no dies. And the generation that said yes can walk in. That brings me to right now. <laughs> it's a pretty low note to come in, isn't it? Helen Keller said the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but having no vision. There was, <laughs> this is funny, there's uh, three bricklayers that started working on a building. Someone walked up and asked them what they were doing. First bricklayer said, I'm laying bricks. It's pretty straightforward, good answer, it's what he's doing. Walked up to the second bricklayer, he said, I'm building a wall. Pretty straightforward answer. Bricks build walls. Third bricklayer, he walks up and said, what are you doing? Third bricklayer said, I'm building a beautiful cathedral where God will be worshipped. And the difference was all three were working, but one had the vision for what was going to take place. Let me give you our vision, and I'm, I'm pretty well almost done, so now let's just let the Holy Ghost have its way. Let me give you our vision. We've came to the place, and we're sitting on the edge of promise. We look out into what God has before us. Some of the younger generation will say, I don't want to give up things to get this thing. Some of the older generation will say, you know what? We've did it before, we'll do it again. (laughs) Praise God. Thank you, Silver Fox. (laughs) And we'll keep on doing it till I die or till we go to heaven, one of the two. But let me tell you what has to be for our church. We have got the land. And let me tell you, the land is beautiful. (laughs) Two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, I talked about giving. We give to over 81 missionaries and missions and ministries at this church. And let me tell you, we're not, me and Bishop talked about this earlier. Our church is not a church that comes after you for your money. We never have been. God help us. We should probably talk about tithes and offering much more because there's some people that could get out of the curse if they gave. (laughs) But... But that night, I felt it in my spirit that something was going to happen. It confirmed it with Mother Logue. And Mother Logue got up, and I believe it was a prophecy. 
and I'm going to speak it as such, that she said God had given her a scripture in the book of, I believe it was in Exodus, right, 25, where God told the people to bring what was needed to build the tabernacle. Okay, she gets up and she says, I believe that God is going to bless your businesses, He's going to bless your jobs, and He's going to bless your finances because His church is about to be built. And I receive it in Jesus' name. Okay. (laughs) I receive it in Jesus' name. It's not easy to talk about money. Let me tell you what then happened. This is, I don't know that we've raised this much money since I've been here. But in that moment, the Spirit of God began to move throughout that entire service. And at the end of that service, we raised, well, when everything was said and done, the next day and more pledges came in, we raised over $30,000. And our $650,000 property that we purchased three years ago is going to be paid off. That's a big deal. That's some, I told everybody, I told friends, I told family, that's not just a big deal. It's a miracle. Okay. So let me tell you about the land that God has taken us to. Six and a half beautiful acres right in the center of Wilmington. We're going to be able to service parts of our county and parts of our city that have no idea who we are. What does that mean? It it means it don't matter if they speak English, if they speak Spanish, if they speak Vietnamese, French. It don't matter. They're going to be able to come into contact with the gospel and they're going to see the AT flame flying high. Six and a half acres. So let me tell you, the land is beautiful. The land's got trees that are hundreds of years old. It's gorgeous. The land is perfect. It's in the perfect spot. The land is perfect. It's giving us room to expand when that next church blows up because I just believe God's going to do that. You know what? When I named this thing, I said it's time to take the step. Then I started praying about it. Well, no, this isn't the end. So it's time for the next step because whenever we get in that building, we're going to be looking at what God wants to do. And if he says, you know what? We need to expand. We're going to expand. If he says, you know what? We need to build another building. We're going to build another building. Why? It's not my church. It's not your church. It's his church. So let me tell you, the land is perfect. It's ready for harvest. It's ready for harvest. Let me tell you the people. There are people in those communities that may have never come into contact with the gospel. There's people on Greenville Loop Road. There's hundreds of families that surround our church. Hundreds of families. Subdivisions. and All of these things that have never heard the plan of salvation. Let me tell you, the people need this. Let me tell you, the people need this. Let me tell you, this is the only saving thing in the entire world. The people need the plan of salvation. And just in case you're here today and you don't know what it is, let me tell you what we preach. We repeat, we preach repentance of sins, water baptism in the name of Jesus, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the initial evidence of speaking in another tongue. 
people need it. A couple of months ago, we talked about spiritual warfare. Let me tell you that anytime a church starts making big moves, the devil's aware of it. Somebody told me one time, this was a long time ago, that I was at, out traveling somewhere, and, and somebody looked at me and said, man, it was a hot, I mean, it was a great service. And he said, man, service like this, the devil take off running. <laughs> I looked at him, I said, bud, I hate to burst your bubble. That is not how that works. I was like, the devil's waiting for you at the front door, bro. So let me tell you, there's going to be strongholds. There's going to be things that we're going to face. There's going to be enemies that come knocking at your door. Whenever you say, hey, I'm going to give X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to give to this plan, and, and God is going to bless me, let me just tell you that, that the devil will come into your mind, and he'll try to make you think that, that this is not God's will. He'll try to get into your head and make you think that all these odds are insurmountable. But let me tell you, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So let me tell you, what waits on us when we move is no match for what is resting inside of you right now by the power of the Holy Ghost. And what we have to be able to do is fight the good fight of faith. Thank you for joining us. Don't forget to visit us at atwilmington.com. We will see you next time on The Converse.